0: Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today on the air on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Doug Jones is a United States senator from the great state of Alabama. You probably think of him as the man who defeated Roy Moore in that highly contested election that drew national interest. Before then, however, he was a United States attorney and today is the author of Bending Toward Justice, the Birmingham church bombing that changed the course of the civil rights movement. The subject is the 1963 bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church. Four African-American girls were slain. One was seriously injured by a bomb placed by members of the KKK. Doug Jones successfully prosecuted two of those bombers. Senator, thanks so much for being here. Michael, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I read the book. I was captivated by it. I think everyone will be, but particularly lawyers. And speaking of which, you got some good advice from Justice William O. Douglas. What was it?
1: I did. I wanted to be a trial lawyer. Justice Douglas teamed at the University of Alabama 1974 when I was in college. I had the privilege of spending the day with him. And I asked him, what advice would you give for, for a young lawyer that wants to be a trial lawyer? He said, go watch good trial lawyers. Go to courtrooms, watch them. Don't mimic them, but watch a good, good trial lawyer apply his trade, and you will learn so much outside of the classroom. And that's exactly what I did.
0: I had a mentor uh, in similar respect on the civil side, the uh, late, great James E. Beasley. Yours was William Baxley, and you actually mm-hmm. watched him in 1977. Absolutely. I, that
1: was the first of these church bombing cases. Baxley was then attorney general uh, for the state and prosecuted a guy named Cham, uh, Robert Chambliss, known as Dynamite Bob. And I had remembered what Justice Douglas said. And so as I was in law school in Birmingham, uh, I cut classes and went and watched that in the balcony and watched one of the most amazing trials and witnesses. But his bill's closing argument was absolutely incredible. And it's st- still with me today.
0: You were nine years old when the bombing itself occurred. I assume you you don't have recollection uh, as a boy of when it occurred. But having read the book, Senator, this case has been a backdrop for your entire life.
1: Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. I I don't have that particular recollection as a nine-year-old. But, you know, as as you're growing up and, and things change in your life and Schools are desegregated, and you start working and you start living in a different way than the protected life I had as a young child. Uh, And then when the Baxley case came up, that's when it really – we learned so much because, you know, candidly, I think Birmingham and the South really tried to push a lot of this, you know, sweep this backwards, put it out of everybody's memories for so, so long. And then the Baxley case just brought it home, and we've been working at it ever since.
0: When you watched Baxley prosecute uh, Dynamite Bob Chambliss, could you have ever imagined as a law student that you'd go back into that courthouse and that you would prosecute two more of these guys? Not in my wildest
1: imagination, Michael. I mean, you know, you, you, you're there to learn and you're there, you're fascinated. You want to take everything that you're with, that, that's with you and that case does stay with you. Uh, but when I learned as I was about to become the United States Attorney that this case had been reopened. Uh, I knew that there was something more. There was something that was looking because this was going to be my case. This was going to be the case that we finally brought some, either some closure one way or another. We didn't know at the time whether we could get even indictment, much less convictions. But I knew it was the last chance. It was the last opportunity to right this wrong and to maybe to seek justice for the families uh, and for the city
0: of Birmingham and for the state of Alabama. This is Book Club with Michael Smirconish from Sirius XM. Addy. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait, a what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill for me? That's right. The little pink pill. And it's called Addy. A-D-D-Y-I. Or flibanserin. Learn more about the little pink pill at
1: addyi.com. See full prescribing information and medication guide, including boxed warning regarding
0: severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at adi.com slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Good news, ladies. There's more. Addie the FDA-approved little pink pill, is also affordable and can be shipped directly to your front door. That's right. With insurance coverage, Addi is only $20 per month and $0 after month three. If your insurance doesn't cover Addie there is still a discount program to get you the best possible price and get free shipping right to your door. So now's the time to ask your doctor about Addie. Learn more at Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I I.com. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM, Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. You prosecuted Tommy Blanton 37 years, almost 38 years after the, the bombing itself. Then finally you got Bobby Frank Cherry. Which was the more difficult conviction to win?
1: You know, it's hard to say. I think I think the Blanton case was a little bit more difficult uh, in the sense that it was much more circumstantial until we were able to get uh, some tape recordings in. There was an informant named Mitch Burns who made a number of tape recordings that helped put the pieces of the puzzle together. And then at the last minute, we found an undercover tape, not an undercover tape. It was a it was a bug that had been placed in the Blanton, um, a wall underneath the kitchen sink in the Blanton household. And therein, in that, in that tape, he admits being part of the group on three occasions on that tape. And his own voice admits part of the, being part of the group that made the bomb, planned the bomb, set the bomb. And that was extraordinary. And he was also talking to his wife, who was his then-girlfriend at the time of the bombing, and she was his alibi. And it destroyed her alibi when she said she had lied to the FBI. That's what put it over the top for us. Uh, with Blanton. With Cherry, it was a lot different. He had made admissions over the years. We had family members or ex-family members that came in and testified, and it was his own mouth that got him in trouble bragging about this over the years.
0: Senator, when you delivered a closing argument in the Blanton case, and and again, just to, to reset, you are prosecuting a former member of the Ku Klux Klan for a bombing incident in 1963 that took the lives of four innocent girls badly injured one more but the subject of puzzles and puzzle pieces yeah. comes up you responding to the defense attorney will you share that vignette
1: sure we had talked about the pieces of the puzzle because we knew that the that that you had to piece these things together there was Except for that tape, there was nothing that really stood out except the small pieces it put together. And people over the course of the trial, I wasn't listening or watching into the, into the media because I knew that they would have trouble. That they just wanted that, that smoking gun kind of thing. And so I talked about that. And the defense lawyer, who was a former law partner of mine, did an incredible job, John Robbins, um, talked about that. And he said in his closing, and it was a very good analogy, that there were pieces of the puzzle and that puzzle, those missing pieces were reasonable doubt. And so in response, I came up and I said, you know, and I I talked about my family a little bit because my mom and dad were in the audience. And I said, when I was growing up, there were, you know, I had puzzles and my little sister often uh, lost some of those pieces. But when you put them all together, even though there were missing pieces, you knew who the picture was, you knew what was was there and you knew it beyond a, a reasonable doubt and significantly the other thing that the defense did is said, why now? Why are we looking at this now? Uh, what has changed? And that gave me a chance to, to to ask the jury to look around the courtroom where there were black and white, young and old, male and female, all sitting together in that jury room, in the, in the, in the audience. And I said, we've changed. That's what's changed about this. We have changed uh, over the course of the last 37 or 38 years. And I do think that was a very, very significant part of uh, being able to finally bring justice to these families in the, into Birmingham.
0: Well, Senator, Senator Doug Jones exhibited one of the real skills of an effective trial lawyer in your ability to quickly think on your feet and take that puzzle argument and use it to your advantage. But I have to say, I loved when a colleague of yours then points out that you kind of missed something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I will never live that down because
1: one of the key <laughs> pieces of of the evidence that we had was a photograph. There is this beautiful stained glass window in uh, the 16th Street Baptist Church depicting Christ. Um, And on that Sunday morning, the most significant damage uh, was the face of Jesus. And that had incredible meaning for that community, for that church community, for people of faith in general. And those photographs are still displayed, and we used it. And so we're leaving, uh, going to lunch, and I'm feeling pretty good because I've had all these people patting me on the back, telling me what a great job I did. I actually started believing it uh, for a little bit. And then my buddy, Jeff Wallace, who was one of the prosecutors along with Robert Posey, said, Doug, well, you know, that was a, a really great argument, but I, I, I was disappointed you just didn't really hit the home run. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, your puzzle response was great, but I was hoping that you would throw up that picture of the stained glass one and say, Tommy Blanton blew out the most important piece of this puzzle, uh, of this stained glass window, but everybody knows who that, who that is. And I just literally, Michael, fell to my knees in the park right. and said, oh, my God, <laughs> how, how did I miss the greating, greatest closing <laughs> argument in, in, in legal history?
0: Uh, hey, speaking of the photos, the, the photos in the book are stunning. And when I looked at them, I said to myself, it's amazing there weren't more victims from the 16th Street bombing.
1: No question. No question. There were there were lucky there were more. There were not more people in that ladies lounge. Uh, And, you know, there was one survivor, Sarah, who was the sister of Addie Bay uh, Collins. Um, If people had been on the sidewalk, literally outside that window and those steps. Uh, there would have been more uh, damage there. It was about powerful blast, and there was we were very fortunate. There were not more people um, that were either killed or very seriously injured. Fortunately, the rest of the injuries were some. You know, they weren't were not very serious at all. Now I won't say superficial, but they certainly weren't serious.
0: Senator, I'm not giving away the whole book for free, but I I I want to ask about the FBI because there's a there's a, a thread that runs through the entire book where I found myself saying, "Man, how how on board was the FBI really to wrap this up? Hoover closed it after four years. You're convinced he really did want to get to the bottom of it. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I think that that's fair, and certainly the FBI agents that were on the ground, what we call the boots on the ground, they did an amazing job, and without them. We couldn't have made our case. And I am absolutely convinced that that Hoover wanted to get this done, not because he was a friend of the movement by any stretch, but he was a bureau guy. And there were teletypes and things we've seen where he constantly was saying that the, the reputation of the bureau is at stake. Um, I criticized Hoover for closing the case his himself and not talking to the uh, prosecutors, the the U.S. attorney's office. But the fact of the matter is, he was correct to do it. I don't think they could have ever gotten a conviction in Birmingham, Alabama, on the strength of the evidence that they had at the time. And, it, and there is no statute of limitations uh, in state court for murder, which gave us a chance to move this case from federal court over to state court and to try these guys for murder rather than a civil rights violation.
0: But then you send your investigator, uh, Bob Eddy, out to, to try and, and learn what the FBI had in its files. And the, the the words my wife and I used with our kids is, you know, don't make me play Ask the Magic Question, just tell me. Yeah. And they made him well, play now, Ask was, the Magic Question.
1: Yeah, that was back in the 70s, Michael. That was not me by the time I got there. I was Oh, that was know, Baxley's was guy. Pres- that, yeah, that was Baxley's guy. And Bob helped okay. us was amazing. But back in the 70s, that's exactly the attitude that they – said, you ask us and we'll try to give you the information. And I don't, you know, I I think it's easy to criticize them. But in those days, you got to remember, they didn't know Bill Baxley. He was a young uh, attorney general. But George Wallace was still the governor of Alabama at the time. And so I think that there was a reluctance to turn that over to the state of Alabama. I think there was also a, a reluctance to turn over informant information. And fortunately, I was a presidentially appointed United States attorney. I had the opportunity to say, no, this is the way we're going to do it, and this is what I want to see. And they had I had incredible support in my, uh, in my cases, absolutely phenomenal support, all the way from Janet Reno, the attorney general, to Bill Pryor, the Alabama attorney general, uh, and Louis Free, the FBI Director,
0: one final question by the way, our guest is Senator Doug Jones from the Great state of Alabama. The book is called "Bending Toward Justice." There's a link in my Twitter feed to everything you need to know about the book. You go and visit on multiple occasions with one of the KKK members that you put away for this bombing because you want him to to come clean and tell the full story. Here's my final question. What, what is the one thing you'd most like to know from Blanton?
1: I'd like to note the details of who, what, where, and when. We, we can put the pieces of the puzzle to conv- together to convince these people beyond a reasonable doubt, to convince a jury that these guys were guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But it's the de- those details. And significantly with that is I want to hear someone apologize, to say, we're, I'm sorry, that, that there is so much that I think that we need to do with reconciliation and redemption, that only that acceptance of responsibility uh, and, and, and an apology can, can accomplish. I can't do that. I can just bring them to justice. But the true reconciliations come from those that were involved. And I don't know if we'll ever see that. Uh, Cherry died in prison. My guess is so will Blanton.
0: Hey, Godspeed to uh, the folks of the great state of Alabama today dealing with the aftermath of that storm.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's a, it's a tough time. We've had some real tragedies with tornadoes over the, over the years. Uh, this one is very serious. I'm going to try to get back down there. We were traveling yesterday when all this happened, and I'm going to try to get back down there uh, this week. Uh, but we got some amazing first responders, and I know they're taking care of that community.
0: Book's a winner. I learned things. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Hear more of Michael Smirkanish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Addie. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait. A what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill for me? That's right, the little pink pill. And it's called Addy, A-D-D-Y-I, or Flavanserin. Learn more about the little pink pill at ADDYI.com. See full prescribing information and medication
1: guide, including boxed warning regarding severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at addy.com slash
0: P-I, or call 844-PINK-PILL.